Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we're so glad to have you with us again here today in the House of Faith. We thank God for every good thing that he has started. We call him faithful to finish it. So many good things happening right now in our lives and in this ministry. If you've been watching the broadcast at all over the last several months, you know that we are gearing up for the launch of Legacy Church here in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. So excited about what God is doing. He's put us in a beautiful place. And of course, wherever God puts you, it may be beautiful and it may be a good place, but, but it will take faith to stay there. I have found that out to be true. And if you're going to believe God to get into a place, you're going to have to probably believe God to stay in that place. But that is the life of faith. And I wouldn't have it or trade it for any other life. This is the greatest life, the life of living by faith. Faith in God, faith in His Word, faith in Jesus and in His blood, faith in His name, just living the life of faith. And we are so thankful to the Lord for how, how much progress He's enabled us to make over the last several months being here in Colorado. If you'd like to, you can check out LegacyChurch.Family. We've, we're updating it all the time with the progress that's taking place in our buy-up and build-out project. That's the project we're involved in right now to pay this entire property off, this 30,000-square-foot facility, 151 acres. And that project completion enables us to build out the sanctuary, other areas of the church as well, enabling us to start services. So we're, we're making progress. We're already over 70% complete. So much of the money required for the build-out is sitting in the bank right now, and we thank God that He has gotten us this far, and He will get us all the way to the finish. And you need to say the same thing, whatever's going on in your life. Maybe you don't like where you are right now, but before you get upset about that, just take a quick second, turn around and look behind you. Are you further along than you were when you started? Well, if the answer is yes, then the good news is God got you there and He can get you all the way. So instead of getting upset, instead of grumbling about it, get thankful. Get your heart and your mouth full of praise and thanks. And that is an attitude of faith and expectation that if my good God can get me this far, that same good God can get me all the way to where He's called me to be. Father, we give you praise and thanks for everything that you've done in our lives, in this ministry, in the lives of people watching and listening to this broadcast today. You have begun something good and we call you faithful to finish it in Jesus' name. We ask as we come before your word today that you give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. If you've got your Bible, I want you to go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. We're going to continue today in our series called Free People. This is something that we're talking about a lot right now here at Legacy Church. And even though we haven't started Sunday morning services yet, we're meeting together as a family, as a body, uh, every couple of weeks on Sunday evenings and momentum is building. And this was the direction of the Lord from the very first part of 2020, from our first service together. He said, this is what I want you focused on. We're talking about living as free people. Because that's who God created us to be. That was always His intention for mankind from the beginning was that we would live free. That was the first gift He gave us was freedom. He said, of all the trees in the garden, you may freely eat. But yeah, I know He put that one tree there, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat of that one. And I, Like we talked about last week, people wonder, why you even put it there, God? It's because love has to give you a choice. All that love can do for you is create opportunity. 
And if they had no choice, then you have to ask yourself, would they have really been free? But God has always been about giving His people a choice. He said, I set before you this day life, death, blessing, and cursing. What's He saying? i got to give you a choice. I have to give you a choice. If you're going to be free, you have to have a choice. He turned right around and said, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm begging you, choose life. Choose blessing so that you and your seed may live. But I know God has always intended for us to be free. Because when the moment Adam gave away his authority and gave away his freedom and enslaved himself to sin, enslaved himself to death, enslaved himself to Satan, God went to work right then in the plan of redemption, which was motivated by one thing, that his man would be free again. And that's why we read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, this charge to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. This is what Jesus' life was all about. This is what His death and His resurrection was all about, was purchasing your freedom and mine. He intends for us to live as free people. Go to the book of Luke with me, chapter 4. Let's look at some things Jesus said about this. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. That's John, Jeremy, not Luke. Luke chapter 4. In verse 18, you've heard these words before, but Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he read, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now you're about to read why the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus and what the anointing was for. The anointing is always for something. Nobody, including Jesus, was anointed just for anointing's sake. No, anointing comes on as equipment. Anointing comes on with a purpose and for a purpose. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to. So now you're going to find out what the anointing's for. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, there's our freedom, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If you really stop and look at every one of these things, the first thing you have to realize is this was the condition that all of mankind was in before Jesus came. All men were poor. Regardless of how much money they had, all men were poor. All men were brokenhearted. All men were captive. All men were blind. All were oppressed. That was the condition that humanity as a whole was in until Jesus came. And if you look at every one of those things, individually and as a whole, they're a prison. Poverty is a prison. It's not a blessing in disguise. It is not God's plan for any person to live in that shape. It is a prison, man. Poverty is a prison because it limits you. It limits your freedom. It limits your ability. If you think about a prison, picture one in your mind. Maybe you've driven past one or seen one before. But what do you think of when you think about that prison? You think about big, huge walls, right? 
these towering walls, these high fences with razor wire all the way around. You think about bars. You think about a tiny little cell. Well, all of that, the bars, the walls, the fence, all of that exists for one reason, and that is to limit freedom. It's to set a boundary and to set a limitation, and those walls exist as a communication to every person in that prison saying, you can't go any further than this. That's what a prison wall says. That's what those bars say. You can't go beyond this point. That's limitation. And it's, it exists to limit freedom. That's what poverty is. It exists for one purpose. It limits people's freedom. Why do you think they call it debt freedom? When you come out of that and you don't owe anybody anything, man, it's freedom. You can do what you want, or better yet, you can do what God wants. That's freedom. But poverty is a prison. He said he's, the, the anointing's on me to heal the brokenhearted. You know, living with a, a broken heart because of what somebody has said, what somebody's done to you, the way you've been treated, because of how hard and difficult your past has been, that brokenhearted condition, that's a prison. I mean, think about it. How many people are, what's the word, Lord, so limited and can't seem to break through when it comes to being successful in relationships, when it comes to being successful in their own marriage. Why? Because of the broken heart they have from the past, it won't, they're not free to love. They're not free to receive love. A broken heart is a prison and Jesus is anointed to bust you out of that prison. Praise God. He goes on, he says, that the anointing's on him to proclaim liberty. That's the same word as to preach, to preach to the poor, to preach liberty. Jesus' message is freedom. That's his message. That's the message of the gospel. To proclaim freedom. What's that mean? He's just shouting it out loud. You're free. You're free. You're free. You're free. It's like somebody sitting up in a jail where the, ball, the, the, the bars have been torn down and the walls have been, been brought to the ground and, and the, the doors have been flung open and somebody's standing there going, you're free, you're free, you're free. And that person just sitting in their cell going, man, I wish I was free. Man, I wish I could just get free. And Jesus is standing there in front of you going, I'm preaching freedom to you. Well, if freedom was Jesus' message, it should be ours too. He's preaching freedom to you. The anointing was on Jesus to preach recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, there's freedom, those who are oppressed. Even this here, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was all about freedom. That was all about debt freedom. That was all about freedom to people who were enslaved. That was all about freedom to people who were indentured servants to, to masters. That year of the Lord was all about freedom. I'm just saying this so that you see God's plan for man has always been that we be free people. Always. I'll show this to you in Scripture. Go with me to the Old Testament. Back to Exodus chapter 2. While you're looking for that, let me remind you what Galatians chapter 5 said. 
This is from the NIV. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I like the way the Passion Bible said it. Let me be clear, the anointed one, what we're just talking about, the anointing, the spirit of the Lord that was on Jesus had anointed him to preach freedom. He says, the anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. In the Old Testament, you see a very, very clear picture of this, of God's desire that his man be free. In Exodus chapter 1, just beginning in verse 8, I'm going to read several verses to you and we'll bounce around a bit. But it says in Exodus chapter 1 verse 8, it says, There was a new uh, uh, a king, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Now that's a part of this story that we've not focused on very much. Now, you know what's about to happen. You know that this Pharaoh's about to come up with this plan to oppress the children of Israel, to put them in slavery, to put them in bondage. But I want you to notice where all of it came from. What did he say? He said, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Who is we? Egypt, the most advanced, the most civilized civilization on the planet to date the most technologically advanced, the most prosperous, and yet he's looking at God's people saying they are more and mightier than we are. And out of that fear, he said in verse 10, come let us deal shrewdly with them. That means let's, let's get a plan together here. Lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. This guy's afraid not only that the children of Israel are going to beat them in war, but that they're going to leave them. He said in verse 11, it says, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities. Now, these words, this word taskmaster, if you look it up, it literally has to do with a tax. Pharaoh's plan to oppress these people was to tax them with physical labor. So he's saying, if you want to live here, you're going to have to pay the tax. And the tax is, you're going to have to build these cities for us. But it says in verse 12, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. Now that's another interesting word. That's different than this first plan they came up with. The first plan was, we're going to tax them with a physical burden, a, a, a hard labor tax. But when that didn't work, this next plan went into effect to make them serve with rigor. Now that word rigor means cruelty, and it's cruelty in an effort to break somebody, in an effort to break them down physically. He's going to try to break these people. He's so afraid of how many of them there are and how they're prospering and how they're growing. Now listen to this. This, is, this applies to you and it applies to me. God's people are prospering in a place where they had no business prospering. They were prospering in a place that it would have been impossible for somebody to prosper. But the blessing of the Lord was on them. 
And though naturally speaking, there was no way, there, there, there was no way they could prosper and grow and multiply there. But because of the blessing that was on them, they were growing. And Pharaoh's afraid of it, so his motivation is, I'm going to break these people. I'm going to break them down physically. I'm going to make them serve, what was that word, rigor, in such a way that's so cruel it's going to break them. He's trying to break the blessing. It says in verse 14, He made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field and all their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Now, I won't take time to read all these verses, but you know there was another step in this plan in his effort to break these people. He instituted a rule and a law that said anytime a Hebrew woman gave birth, if it was a daughter, let it live, but if it was a male child, if it was a son, to kill it, to throw the baby in the river. Now think about this for a minute. This is government-sanctioned baby killing. What's he trying to do? He's not only trying to break this nation physically by giving them hard physical labor, now he's going after their soul. He's going after the soul of these people to try to bring such devastation. I mean, think about it. He, he even went on, he tried to make the Hebrew midwives do it, but they wouldn't do it. So you know what Pharaoh did? He gave charge to all his people and said, if there's a Hebrew baby boy, kill it, throw it in the river. I mean, can you imagine living under that? And we think, man, how barbaric, how, how just gruesome and gross to think that, that man used to be so out of his mind that a government would sanction the killing of babies. Now, can you see what's happening in our nation? Can you see what the devil's trying to do, not only in, in, this, in the United States, but in nations around the world? This fight over abortion, I'm going to tell you something, it may be dressed up as human rights or women's rights. It's, it has nothing to do with that. Satan is after the soul of this nation, and he wants us broken. He wants us so broken, and he's going after the kids. Now, used to, it would be, well, we, in our nation, abortion took place while the child was in the womb. As of the last, what, 12, 18 months? Not anymore. I mean, we are seeing, we are seeing what we're reading about in the book of Exodus play out right in front of us. And we don't need to be fools about it. This is all in an effort to imprison the soul of this nation and the spirit of God's people. But you see what happens in the rest of this story. In chapter 2 there was a baby boy, a baby boy born to a Hebrew mother and the Bible says he was beautiful and she hid him for three months but when she couldn't hide him anymore she put him in a basket and began just floating him down the river, the very river that Pharaoh had commanded the baby boys to be thrown into to be killed. And now he's floating down this river and here's Pharaoh's daughter come down to the river to bathe, to have a bath. And she sees this baby. Meanwhile, the baby's older sister is watching this whole thing play out. Can you see the hand of God in this? 
This is the compassion of God. And Pharaoh's daughter, the daughter of the one who commanded this baby to be killed, something comes up in her. It's the compassion of God. She did, I guarantee she didn't know what it was. But that young girl, the baby's older sister who was watching this whole thing happen, said, I can take that baby and have him nursed for you if you like. And she said, sure, yeah, do it. And the baby, she was taken back, or the, the baby boy was taken back to his own mother to be nursed. You know the story. Brought back to live in Pharaoh's house. And it says in verse 10 of chapter 2 that the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. That's literally what the name Moses means, drawn out. Now, if you go back and remember what we talked about on last week's broadcast, Jesus, from the time you were born again, from the moment you made him Lord of your life, went to work bringing you out. He said the shepherd calls his sheep by name. They know his voice and he leads them out. Out of what? Out of whatever it is they're in that they need out of. And Jesus is your good shepherd. And what you're about to see in the life of Moses is a crystal clear picture of Jesus. You're about to see God's desire, overwhelming compassion that his people be free. As a matter of fact, by the end of chapter 2, it says in verse 23, it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. And he went to work right then and there to get them out. He introduced himself to Moses. You remember in that bush that was burning but it wasn't consumed. And in chapter 3, verse 8, he said to him, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Verse 10, he said, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. Why? Why, God, why are you sending Moses? That you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That was Moses' entire assignment. You could say it like this. The Spirit of God was upon him because he had anointed him to bring these people out. And that's what God anointed him to do. That's what he sent them to do. I won't have time to read all of this to you, but Moses went to the leaders of the children of Israel with the message that God had sent him with. He said, God has visited you. He has seen your bondage and he's bringing you out. And that's what he told them. He's bringing you out. That was the message. He's bringing you out. He wants you free. And man, when these people heard it, it said in verse 31 of chapter 4, well, verse 30 says that Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken and he did the signs. So there were signs and there were words. There were signs that confirmed the words. In the sight of the people in verse 31, it says, So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, that he had looked on their affliction, that they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Now this story goes on and we're going to dig deeper into it in the coming weeks. But I want to stop right there today because 
That's the right response. When you get a word from the Lord, like you're getting right now, (laughs) that God wants you out. I don't care how long you've been in bondage and I don't care whatever it's been, you've been in bondage to. The word of the Lord is coming to you today. You want to know what thus says the Lord? Thus says the Lord, I'm busting you out of this place. Thus says the Lord, I want you free. I want you living as the free person I created you to live as. Now, what do you do when you get that word? These people responded the right way. Now, they didn't get it very right after that, but if we stop right here just for this, just for today, and we see what they did and how they responded, what they do, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Friends, listen to me. This is your way out. This is the way out of whatever it is you're in that you need out of. It's number one, the recognition that God has heard your cry. Number two, the belief that He wants you free of it. And then number three, how do you get out? You worship. You lift up your hands, you lift up your voice, and you begin to praise, and you worship the Lord, and you thank Him, you've made me free. I am free. I am free. I am free. You've created me to be free, and I'm going to stand in my freedom. Jesus, you died so that I could be free, and I received that gift of my freedom today. What are you doing? You worship in the Lord before you ever even see it before you ever feel the freedom, before you ever see the freedom with your own eyes, by faith you worship. Why? You got a word from God. You got a word from God Himself. He said, I love you and I want you free. Praise the Lord. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.